If you've, uh, if you've heard me preach before or you've ever spoken to me, you probably know that I quite like running. I quite like getting out there and going for a run. You might not know that I also quite like watching running on telly as well. I quite like watching athletics. When it gets to uh, the Olympics or the, the World Championships, I get really excited. I get really into watching the athletes perform, watching them head off at speeds I can only dream of round the track or uh, through the streets on a marathon course. One of the features of some of the more recent coverage uh, of, of the Olympics or the World Championships or some of those major events is that they go behind the scenes. They, they go behind the scenes of the athletes' training and they show the grueling trials that the coach puts their athlete through to prepare them for competition. The gym work, which you can probably tell is something that I neglect. <laughs> the mobility work, all the stretching and everything. All the work for their sport, the running, the drills, everything. All to enable them to finish well on that great day of competition and to achieve their goal. It's all for a purpose. Jason almost said last Sunday, endurance comes from trust and leads to obedience to God. That's the, that's the theme of 1 Peter. And this morning we're going to start digging into that. We're going to start thinking about how, not as athletes, but as Christians, our endurance comes to us. How God puts us in situations that for a purpose, rather than building our fitness, build our faith, build our trust in him, lead us to obedience. So we'll think about praise to God because he has given us as believers a new life and a guaranteed future glory. To rejoice and how we might rejoice even when we face present sufferings because we are destined for that future glory. And we'll, we'll be encouraged as we think about the fact that we're wonderfully blessed because we know the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy which points to Jesus. So let's just pray again before we start looking at, at these verses that Will read for us. Father God, just pray again that, that you would speak through your words in the Bible and, and through me this morning. And Lord, I just pray that you'd, uh, you'd take these words from 1 Peter and you'd use them to encourage us uh, in the situations that we face. Use them to challenge us uh, in our walk with you. And use them to help us to draw nearer to Jesus. Walk closer to him. And follow you day by day more closely. So if you've got your Bibles there, please turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, and we'll be looking at verses 3 to 12. And I'll just read uh, the first few of those verses, verses 3 to 5 now. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That Olympic athlete we were thinking about, they're, they're competing for a medal, hoping only one of them is going to make it, but hoping to be on the top step of the podium, hoping to have that gold medal draped around their neck, to see their flag fly and to hear their national anthem. But there's no guarantee is there, that they're going to get there. Even if they line up on the starting line as a favourite, they might not make it uh, to, the, to the finish line first. They might not even make it to the finish line at all. So what does Peter say about the Christian as the Christian endures, as the Christian goes through life? Well, first of all, he says that we have a miraculous gift, a miraculous gift given to us. It's a gift of new life, of new life and a living hope. And so, because we have this amazing gift, our response is to praise, to bless God because of this gift that he has given us. To give him praise and glory for planning this marvellous salvation. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And this hope that, that Peter talks about, it's not the kind of hope that maybe tomorrow morning we'll get up and it's going to be a sunny day or we'll have a nice day at work. It's not, it's not a kind of wishful hope. This is an unshakable hope in knowing that we have new life from this gift. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And more even than that, it's an inheritance. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. To an inheritance. If you've read through the Old Testament... That inheritance comes across as being the promised land. The land that, that God promised to the nation of Israel and to Israel's place in it. But then here in the New Testament, it's even greater than a land that you're promised a place in. Because now it's an inheritance about being part of God's family. And we read that this inheritance is amazing it's imperishable undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for you so this inheritance comes to us through jesus through his death through his resurrection and now it's has these divine qualities these qualities of god imperishable undefiled, unfading because it's a divine gift it's a gift from God it's a gift that gives to, God gives to us it has these things of him about it 
imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you who have accepted it. It is God's gift to give, God's gift to bestow. And out of his great mercy and grace, he offers us the chance to accept this gift, this inheritance that he wants to give to us. And it's also described as salvation in verse 5. Kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Remember, endurance comes from trust, from faith, and leads to obedience to God. Here, we're being guarded by God's power through our faith in God for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And because the salvation is a gift from God, a gift that God has offered, and it has these imperishable, undefiled, unfading characteristics, we can have certainty in the salvation that will be revealed in the last time when Jesus comes again, fully revealed. It's protected by God's power, which, as we'll see in a moment, we need to sustain our faith as we go through trials and tribulations. So this inheritance, this gift from God, have you received it? Have you actively taken responsibility for for accepting this gift that, that God is offering? Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord? Because this inheritance is only available to those who have received Jesus, have received Christ as Lord. The hope of salvation is living and it's brought about by our new life in Christ. This gift is from God and there's nothing that we can do to earn that salvation. There's nothing that we can do to make that gift something that we can kind of go, oh yeah, that's, it, it's of my doing. That's why we sang about amazing grace before. It is amazing that God gives us this gift, gives us this grace and then shields it for us in heaven. And that shielding that Peter talks about is a kind of continuing activity. It's something that God keeps on doing, keeps looking after this inheritance for us. As we all prayed before, God is alive and working, and this is one of the things that he is doing, looking after our inheritance in heaven. And because God is doing that, because our inheritance in heaven is imperishable, undefiled, unfading. It's safe, safe beyond the clutches of earthly or spiritual enemies. And as we are unsettled by the trials and tribulations that we face, by what we see around us, by what, by what opposes us, as we're shaken even as far as sinfulness, then That inheritance for those who continue to follow Jesus is there. It's stored away. And that reassurance should bring us joy, shouldn't it? That's where Peter goes with this praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And there's something else about this inheritance too. It links us 
It links us into a new family. So our new life and this inheritance bring us in to a new family, into God's family. We're not alone in this walk with God. We're not alone in facing trials and tribulations. We're not alone when it comes to needing to endure, which comes through our faith. We have God there as our Father. We can pray to him. We can pray to Jesus. The Spirit is with us as well, in our lives, active. And as part of a family together, we have the community of God's family around us in the church to encourage each other to walk by faith when we need that encouragement. So be encouraged by your inheritance. Hope, inheritance and salvation, that glorious inheritance which God has locked away for us in heaven. So then verses 6 to 9, the purpose of trials is deeper faith. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while. If necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Thinking about uh, those Olympic athletes again, during the Winter Olympics, it was on a few weeks ago, one of the favourites to win loads of gold medals was the American skier Michaela Schifrin. She crashed out of her first two races. And at the second one of those, she was sat by the side of the track for 15 minutes and then spent an hour with the, with the world's media explaining to them why she'd failed and what it felt like to have, to have failed. But one thing she said to the media was, why do I keep coming back? Gosh knows it hurts more than it's enjoyable lately. But those top, top, top nine turns before she crashed out were spectacular. Really heaven. She was finding joy even in the trials of crashing out of the Olympics. But we know, don't we, that nine turns of an alpine ski run are not heaven. Heaven is something even greater than nine turns of an alpine ski run. And our trials that we face are more even than crashing out of the Olympics. Peter says to his readers, the people who received this letter, your present joy is mixed, not with more happiness, but with grief. Why? Because of various trials. Many coloured trials is, is kind of the emphasis there. It's, it's just trials of all kinds of different, different types, a full spectrum 
of different trials that Peter talks about here. And Peter says they might come for a little time. And we might read that and go, is that an hour, a day, a week, a short time? The way that Peter writes it here originally, that little time can actually mean the rest of their lives. But because heaven is something way more than those nine turns on the mountain, it's eternity. Even the rest of their lives facing trials pales into insignificance. It becomes a little time. So what does Peter say about why God allows these trials, why they happen for his readers? So that the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So that their faith may be shown to be genuine, to be shown to be purified. So that they can show their loyalty to Jesus. So that, as we said, they can be obedient in following Jesus as they endure through their faith. And this leads to that amazing reward. It results in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus, the the return of Jesus on the last day. And on that day, there will be honor and praise that belong to Jesus as he returns and to the Christian that endures. Then we can look forward to hearing God say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, we might as well, we might think as well, well, that's, that's okay. Like we, can, we, can, we can endure, but we're going we're gonna to find this hard. We're going to find this difficult, and we're not going to find any joy in it at all. But Peter says to his readers, even though you're facing these trials, joy isn't reserved for heaven. It isn't reserved for the future. Listen, even now, you love, you believe in. What does, what does Peter say? Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And because they love Jesus, because they believe in him, even with the trials, it leads to rejoicing, with joy. And it's inexpressible and glorious joy. Filled with glory. This is jubilant and thankful praise for God's divine action. Which we've already seen is that inheritance. And sending Jesus so that he died and was raised again. So how can they be thankful? 
as they face these trials? How can they be joyful and rejoice? Well, without wanting to skip too far ahead, in chapter 4 and verse 10, Peter's going to say that God's grace is also many-coloured, just like these trials. And God's grace matches and exceeds the trials that Peter's readers are going to face. And so at the end, because God's grace matches and exceeds the trials, they receive the gift of salvation, the completion of God's saving work. So Peter tells us that the purpose of these trials is a deepening faith. He likens it to gold. Gold, where we go to great lengths to remove the impurities. But gold will eventually, even really refined gold that you paid loads of money to have made into a nice piece of jewellery, is going to fade and perish. Refined faith, faith that has been tested and refined like this, is even more valuable, lasts even longer, lasts into eternity. Now, in terms of the many coloured trials, we're, we're quite privileged, really, aren't we? We don't have wars here. We did have to face the pandemic. But we still face resistance to our faith. The things that we see happening in the Ukraine and the pandemic may even lead us to question our faith. The resistance to our faith as we try and share it. That might lead us to question our faith as well. As we face these trials and as we encourage each other through them, we direct our faith more and more to Jesus. It is refined, it deepens, it grows. Even though we've never actually laid our eyes on Jesus, we've never directly seen him, our experience of him grows. And our experience of him will grow a sense of love for him, and joy in him, even as we face these trials. Robert Layton, who was the, a 17th century Archbishop of Glasgow, wrote this. Even in the midst of heaviness itself, such as the joy that can maintain itself in the midst of sorrows, this oil of gladness still swims above and cannot be drowned by all the floods of affliction. Yes, it is most often sweetest in the greatest distress. Our faith cannot be drowned by all the floods of affliction as it grows and deepens and is most often sweetest in the greatest distress. So we've seen that we have this amazing hope, this amazing inheritance locked away in heaven. We've seen that trials can strengthen our faith, refine and purify our faith. And then Peter goes on in the final three verses of our passage to tell us that we're in an incredibly privileged situation. 
Sometimes as I watch those Olympic events, I kind of wish that I could be there in the middle of them, to swap places with an athlete and to know what it feels like to experience the competition. You see, as much as I, as much as I strive, I'm never going to be able to run with Elliot Kipchoge for two hours in a marathon and finish a marathon in two hours. I know what it's like to be 50 minutes behind him in a race. I've been there, I've done that. But I'm never going to be with him as he crosses the finishing line. Or when I go to Furbo Church and look at the amazing carpentry that, that Liam and Porig have done in there, I think about the efforts that I kind of do in the shed at home and how happy I am when I get a 90-degree joint. Or maybe you know my wife, Eleanor, and you, you've heard her singing. She knows what it's like to stand on a stage in the Albert Hall and perform. But then if you've heard me singing, you'll know that sounds come out of my mouth. I will never get to experience what it's like to stand on the Albert Hall stage and sing. There is a difference between searching, between trying to do something and knowing and knowing. What does Peter say? Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving, not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look. The Old Testament prophets were searching. They searched for God in their situation. What was God telling them about the here and now of their situation? But also, they were looking ahead. Who would be the saviour? Who would be the Messiah? Where would he come? When would he come? They prophesied that Jesus would come and suffer, and suffer for all. So they had their near prophecies. Where is God now, in the situation that we face now and far? Where is the Messiah? When is he coming? Who will he be? And the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, inspired those prophets to, to say those things, to write them down so we can read them. Revealed this glorious future to the prophets. But they didn't get the whole story. They didn't get to have the New Testament. They didn't get to see Jesus. They didn't get to read of what he did. They didn't have the whole story, the whole picture. We have had the gospel preached to us. We have the New Testament inspired again by the Holy Spirit to show us how Jesus was the fulfillment of those prophecies. Especially 
in his suffering on the cross. Inspired, Peter says, by the same Holy Spirit. So we've had that good news preached to us. So we are incredibly privileged because we get to see the full picture. We get to experience some of what they were searching for, those Old Testament prophets, Peter says. And then he says, and even the angels long to look into this. Now, we could probably spend another hour talking about what that might mean, but it, but it seems to be, the sense is that the angels will rejoice at the completion of God's saving plan at the end of time, just as we will rejoice, just as we will give praise to Christ. So this is amazing encouragement here that we have this inheritance, that we are incredibly privileged, and within this, we will face trials. Within this, our faith can be refined so that we can endure trials that we face. Maybe this morning when you stepped into this room, you felt discouraged. Maybe you felt insignificant. Maybe you felt marginalized. Maybe you were worried about what's going on out there in the world. Maybe you are facing trials. Maybe you are facing persecution for your faith. Maybe tomorrow when you go to work or college or school, things are going to be bad. You have an inheritance as a follower of Jesus, locked away in heaven, unfading, unperishing, undefiled. You are incredibly privileged. I am incredibly privileged. We get to see the whole story. We get to see the New Testament as well as the Old Testament and understand how Jesus is the Messiah. We get to see that at the very centre of God's story of salvation that stretches through the whole of history, through God's eternal purposes, we can look forward to a day where we can share in the glories of Christ in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these verses. We thank you for the encouragement of them. And we recognise that there are days when and, time, and weeks and maybe even months and years where we will face trials, where we will face opposition because we are followers of you. And Lord, I just pray that as we, as we do that, as we face those trials, we will remember these verses. We will remember the truth of the encouragement in them. The grace of the gift of salvation the grace of the gift of inheritance in heaven that you are actively keeping for us. 
that you are actively looking after for us. And because it's a gift from you, that it's not something that I can do. It's something that you and Jesus have already done for us. And Lord, thank you for the encouragement of knowing that we are privileged to be able to read the whole story of salvation, to know that Jesus has come and died for us, to be able to reflect on what Paul and Peter and the other apostles have written down, inspired by your spirit, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that we would be encouraged as we, as we go away from here this morning.